first of all, Judah, why is mine buttoned literally all the way to the top and yours is unbuttoned? Like all the way down to the belly button. Just, just. We don't, we don't want to see anymore. We just believe that it is. <laughs> it's kind of indicative of where we are with the Lord. I've really opened up to the Lord. <laughs> I, apparently I'm hiding a lot back. Everyone is born with a gift, but not everyone is born with as many gifts as our guest today. I know usually we wait to reveal who's joining us on the show, but I got to be honest, I'm so excited. I'm going to do it right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Tebow's joining us today. He is the best. He has played two different sports at the highest level. He's an author. He's a man of God. He's a husband and he's a philanthropist. But my favorite gift is his passion. You cannot listen to this man without leaning in and giving him your full attention. He's here to talk about his new book called Mission Possible, which really teaches us how to live our lives with purpose. Yeah, because the choices you make really can impact the people around you. And we all have the power to change the world for better. So stay tuned. This is In Good Faith. What's up, everybody? This is In Good Faith, and today we are sitting down with one of the men I admire most, someone I consider a dear friend and also a hero in so many ways. He is so successful that it would probably be easier to list what he hasn't achieved than what he has. Two-time national champion, Heisman Trophy winner, first-round NFL draft pick, former professional baseball player. He's also the founder of the Tim Tebow Foundation, which brings faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. He's also got a brand new book out we're going to talk about today called Mission Possible, where Timmy challenges readers to find their mission and pursue a bolder, brighter, more fulfilling life. He is married to Demi Lee Tebow, who was crowned Miss Universe in 2017 and is also one of the great human beings in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to In Good Faith, my friend Tim Tebow. First of all, I just want to say I love you guys so much, and I'm so honored to be able to to hang with you guys for a little bit and hopefully in the midst of we encourage people. But I just want you guys to know what encouragement you've been to me for so many years now because we're getting older. Um, <laughs> y'all's marriage, y'all's words, encouragement, um, pastoring, faithfulness, just all of it. So, so grateful to be here with you guys. And we also to the listeners, we haven't seen them in a long time. Hey, Tim, I have a question for you right off the bat. Reading that, excluding your beautiful wife, who we know is your favorite part of your life, which of all of those accomplishments makes you the most proud or what gives you the most sense of accomplishment from all of those things? Ooh, good question. It's not a, it's, it's not a good question, Judah. Okay. It, 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 it's, I'm just kidding, Chelsea. It would be what I think God's biggest mission for me would be is what he's called me to do at the foundation and who we have a chance to serve um, around the world. Mm. And it's awesome to have the chance to play games you love. And it's awesome to have the chance to win awards. And it's awesome to have a chance to, to try to succeed at something, right? In, in sports. It, it really is. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with success. But man, I'm so grateful that my life and our lives and your life and the listener's life doesn't have to stop at a game, that our lives are so much more important than what a game would ever be. Because ultimately, I just feel like, man, so much of my my life, especially early on, was a life trying to be 
the MVP, trying to be the most valuable mm. player, trying to be have our team be the most valuable team, <laughs> be the best, be the best. And and really the, the transition that God did in my life is he said, you spent so much trying, trying to be the most valuable player when, yes, I want you to seek after MVP, but what God means is most vulnerable people. Wow. And I'm so grateful that God's opened my eyes and sometimes he had to do it multiple times because I kept closing them to be able to, to see so many people around the world that are hurting and to giving me um, the opportunity to try to meet those needs. And, you know, I, I, I've just spent way too much of my days and my time and my effort and my drive and my competitiveness, my energy trying to um, chase and accumulate stuff that's not going to last forever. And I think God was saying, hey, I want you to go after things that are going to last forever. And that's people. Wow. A lot wow. of people could say that, and that could be impactful. But the fact that you have won the MVP, that you have won the championships, that you have, I mean, it doesn't get much better than the Heisman Trophy <laughs> winner. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're selling commercials because you won the Heisman Trophy. It's a, it's a pretty amazing accomplishment. But for somebody who's never going to win the Heisman Trophy, to realize that you have done all these other accomplishments and to hear you say that actually serving and helping people is what is the most significant for you and being called to be a vulnerable person to help people is really astounding. And it's not what our world teaches brings fulfillment. It's not. It's not what our world says. Our world really says in some form, you need to have money, fame, and power. You need to have praise, promotion, and platforms, and that gives you worth and meaning. And I just think God's economy is totally different. I think it's it, most of the time, it's the exact opposite right? How is it more blessed to give than to receive? Wait, I don't have more. Oh, yes, I do. Internally, spiritually, with satisfaction, with meaning, yeah. I do actually have more. Wow. And we could also go to scripture after scripture after scripture of, of, of loving the least, the vulnerable, the less than, the castaway, the afflicted, the cursed, all of them, right? Agape in the Bible is what used like 116 times or something like that. And, and I love agape form of love. It, it's amazing. It's to choose the best interest of another person and act on their behalf. I love it. But you know what's in the Bible? more than agape is agapao and it's the verb mm. and i think what the bible is telling us is it's one thing to know god's love it's another it. thing to show god's love with our actions right it's one thing to raise your hand in church and say man i love people it's another thing when i have or i don't have and i still give it's one thing when when the wealthy walk by and they could give and yet they still don't but someone who probably doesn't necessarily have a lot gives that's what's even more impactful with the message let me jump in, Tim, and ask you this question. There are so many people listening right now who feel stuck. And what I mean by stuck is they feel like, what do I have to give? I'm not Tim Tebow. I'm not a Heisman Trophy winner. I'm not a best-selling author. And so I think oftentimes people see guys and gals like you, and they think to themselves, well, if I had, if I you know, was Miss Universe, if I was the Heisman Trophy winner, I would start a foundation. I would give big. Yeah. I would wow. do a lot. But what, what are you saying to that person right now who's like, look at my life. I don't have much to give. I think that that even starts with the wrong theology. Wow. So when we look at John 6, 5 through 14 of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but re really, I think a lot of scholars would believe us probably 10 to 15,000 because the Bible just mentions men, but there are women and children. And, and we know that, that there was a multitude of crowd That's following right. him. And this boy wakes up and packs a lunchbox and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to go um, you know, bring my, my food and the disciples and Jesus want it and, and probably doesn't want to give it honestly, but he's like, man, yeah. there's something unique and special about this guy. So I'm going to give. And so the boy gives a couple loaves and some fish and Jesus turns it into a miracle and performs mm -hmm. this miracle and feeds all the people there. And what we think in our lives 
is if that boy would have had more food, Jesus could have fed more people, which is the opposite of the truth. You see, what matters in the story is not how much the boy gave. What matters in the story is that the boy gave. What matters is not how much you have because ultimately God's in control of that. What matters is what you do with it. That's the theology that we have to live by is not how much do we have or how much can I give, but it's that I'm willing to give what I have because the miracle didn't come with how much the boy gave. The miracle came because he put it in the miracle maker's hands. You know, and what we have to do with our lives is give it back to him and say, God, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but you'll do something with it, in it, through me, through all of these situations. I don't know what you're doing, but you know what? When we understand that God has created us in love, by love and for love, that he has a unique mission and purpose for our lives, that we're not here by accident. We're not here by happenstance, but we're exactly where we are for a reason. And it might not be exactly what we want, but that it does have to be part of his purpose that he does have something unique in calling for us. And we all have the, the same macro mission, which is to love God and love people. But then I think in the micro, all of our missions start to change, right? God has gifted the two of you guys to, to lead churches and, and multiply and bring people to know the Lord in a way that very few people can. And he's given me a, a different platform to do something. So we have the same macro missions but our micro missions mm. look so different, even though we're on the same team. So I want to encourage those listeners that God has given you the same macro mission as as, as the three of us, That's but right. he's given you your own micro mission of something that I don't know exactly what it is, but God does. And what I would say to you is that you're not disqualified by what you have or what you don't have. You're not disqualified by what you've done or what you haven't done. You are qualified because God created you and God has never made a mistake and it's not going to start with you and you are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, okay? And when we understand that about our lives, one, I think it changes your life. It gives you this inner confidence and strength that, dang, I, I don't have to be like anybody else because... When I believe this as, a, as, as my theology that I am created in the image of God, not that I'm perfect, but that he still loves me perfectly the way that I am. And if he wanted me to be like anybody else, he would have made me just like that other person. But he didn't want me to be anybody else. He wanted me to be the best version of what he created me to be in a relationship with him. And, and I think it starts wow. with understanding that, that whoever that person is that's thinking, man, I don't know what I can do for God. I think it starts by saying, you know what, God, I don't know what I can do. That's how I feel. But you know what? I know what you can do because I've seen it. I I was able to read the scripture. I know you did it on the cross. I know you did it in creation. I know you did it for the Israelites. I know you've done it time and time again. And I know you can do it again. And I want you to do it in my life. And I'm giving what I have and I'm giving it to you. Do something with it. Can I say, one of the things I admire about you the most is your passion. Chelsea says, I have the gift of passion. Tim, you know this. I've broken clubs in front of you on the golf course. (laughs) Um, I don't want to get into it right now. But can I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, people are listening to your passion. It's always moved me, whether it's a voice memo, a text, a phone call, a FaceTime. 
every time I see you, even when we logged on today for this uh, recording, just seeing your face just encourages me and moves me and motivates me. You have the gift of passion. What do you say to people right now who are listening to this going, wow, it'd sure be nice to wake up like Tim Tebow, happy, ready to go and passionate. But the truth is I wake up like just me and it's hard to motivate myself. I don't feel any passion. I feel overwhelmed. I feel discouraged. So what do I do? Well, that's a really good question. I think passion's important, but I want to touch on something else that we talk about in the book. And I know every single one of us faces this. It is the challenge to whether live by our emotions or live by our convictions. Because if we live by our emotions, our life is going to be a roller coaster. Our life is going to be a Snickers commercial right? We are going to show up one day and we're going to be, we're going to be awesome and we're going to be inspired and we're going to be passionate. And the next day, we're going to be short with our friends and our wives. We're going to be irritated. We're going to be grumpy. We're going to be pissed off. Can I say that? We're going to be all these other things, you know, and, and we're going to live this roller coaster because emotions are leading our life. And emotions can be a great thing at time. It really can. Uh, I'm a very emotional person. Y'all are too. <laughs> Not me. Just you. Judah is more so, especially Judah when is. he plays golf. Yes. Or golfer talks about Jesus. Why is that the only two? <laughs> <laughs> can I ask? I, sorry, I don't want to cut yeah. you off. But when you say convictions, what do you mean by that? Because I feel like that's For a sure. word that can be have a loose definition in the world that we live in. A deep-rooted set of principles and beliefs that you, you choose to guide your life, that you believe are something that God has put in your heart that is also tied to the promises of God in the Bible. So it's not just do you believe he's put that on your heart, but then you can compare and contrast that with the with the truths of Scripture. And so now, do I believe that this, this deep-rooted set of principles actually matches Scripture? And if it does, I would take that as a conviction. And now that's something that I want to live by. And so we encourage people, People to come up with mission statements, right? A mission statement. It's not just something that a, a church or a corporation or nonprofits can do, but it's this path that we believe everybody should do to, to really write that down. And what I think it does when you write it down is before you write it, you need to truly think about it. And really what we encourage people to do is meditate. What is meditating? It's what a cow does. It chews its cut and it spits it back out, regurgitates it and, and back and forth, right? It's because continual process of meditation over and over and over again. And really what we're encouraging people to do is what is what is what I'm called to do think about it process over and over with your head and with your heart and, and honestly a lot of people ask me Timmy what do you you know what do you think my calling is or my purpose or exactly that micro that thing that I'm supposed to do and I'll say first like I have no idea but <laughs> have your eyes ever been open to a need to a problem to an injustice to a hurting person to someone on the side of the street and has your heart ever been pricked to want to do something if so that might be God saying hey I want you to go meet that need I want you to step in and you might not know the end destination but start because I, I've I've seen a lot of people that have been impacted when they've started. I've seen very few, and not saying that God can't because God can do anything he wants, but very rarely have I heard testimonies or been around people that they were like, man, last night when I was watching, you know, on Netflix, Yellowstone or whatever channel Yellowstone's on, that God really spoke to me. But most of the time when we step out and we start serving, God uses it for us to go farther and go farther. And maybe that's not the exact destination, but maybe he's weaving that in their life for, for whatever's next. And so I think when we step into it, we learn more. And then once you do that, now I can articulate it that much clearer because I've processed it and really meditated. And now it can help me avoid mission drift because just one degree off every day, 50 days later, I'm way off course of what my mission was. I don't have to be you know, 50 degrees off course. 
Can you give us an example of a time when you realized you were following your emotions and not your convictions? I write in the book a couple years ago, I flew to Dallas to speak for uh, this cool organization, get to tell people about Jesus and encourage people and talk about ministry and all this cool stuff, man. But before the event, they took me to go see all the brand new facilities there because that's where the event was when the Cowboys facility. And, you know, I show up and I feel like I'm, I'm good. I can't wait to tell people about the Lord and do all this. And they're showing me these brand new facilities and weight room and their weight room literally for their fans is nicer than any weight room I've ever been in, in my entire life. And I got to be honest, a couple hours in, I am genuinely envious. I am bitter. <laughs> I am frustrated. I'm mad. And really, without saying it, what I'm really mad about is saying, God, you must have messed up on my plan because why wasn't something like this part of my plan? Wow. And mm-hmm. I'm envious and bitter because I'm saying, God, I, I wish this was part of it. This should have been part of it, right? And you know what? It's because my emotions were leading me and my convictions were not. Because I know my convictions. My convictions are that... God does have a plan and a purpose, and he's been faithful over and over again, and he is using this in some way. But what's happening in that moment was I was focused on me and not other people. And it wasn't until later that night when I'm getting ready to go on stage, when I'm looking around at all these people, and I'm reminded of, of the plan and the purpose that God has Come and how on. God works all things together for good. And he didn't screw up on my plan and purpose, just like he didn't screw up on theirs. And so I'm walking at this stage, and I'm reminded that to live by your convictions, it also means that I have to look outward to other people, and it can't be inward to just what I want and what I need and what I feel like I should have. And so that was something that was just a real practical application of how emotions affected me in the day to day. And I think it's also silly if we think that emotions aren't a a real roller coaster, that emotions aren't ever going to speak really loud to us. Emotions are real. Emotions Mm -hmm. are hard. Emotions are highs and lows, and they're going to come. What, What matters is not that we don't have them. What matters is when they hit us hard, how do we handle it? So then what do you do when life doesn't live up to your expectations? Well, for me, in a lot of situations, it's to go back to the my convictions and to find a way to go serve. I, I have a few friends of mine that you would know some of them. Our promise we made to each other is when something bad happens, you know, like I get cut or there's an adversity or something. The first thing we do, no arguments, is we go find a place to serve. couple hours couple days, doesn't matter that we instantly go do it because we have to take the focus off of us and put it onto other people. Mm -hmm. And that's one practical step that we want to talk about and teach people. And and it's different for everybody, but find that practical application when emotions start weighing you down, how you could say yes to your convictions in a practical application. And I just want to say this in, in, in comment and compliment that I have watched you now for many years go through very difficult situations, whether it's being cut, whether football career, baseball career, in every one of those cul-de-sacs or every one of those intersections, I I should say, where things didn't live up to your expectation, I saw you instantly give yourself to serving people and honoring people. And in the process, I've seen a buoyancy in your soul. And I think it's underrated. People don't realize that when you're at your lowest and when you're at your weakest, that is the time, if you can, by the grace of God, lean in and even take some take some crackers and cheese to your next door neighbor. I mean, do yeah. something, you do know, something. Ba- babysit for somebody, dead serious. Do something yeah. small and little that you think is in- insignificant, but it is will have a significant impact on your emotions and your ability to kind of uh, gather yourself around your convictions again. Wouldn't you agree, Chow? 
Yep, I hear you saying that's your way of leading your emotions instead of our emotions mm-hmm. leading us. Because those feelings that, that's right. those feelings are real and our emotions are God-given. Thank Absolutely. God he gave us emotions. Thank God we can experience joy and disappointment. And I've heard somebody say, if you numb the highs, then you numb the lows. Or if you numb mm-hmm. the lows, then you numb the highs. And so we, we aren't just saying be fake, pie in the sky, pretend like everything is happy when it's not. That's that we right. actually do acknowledge our emotions. But... We don't have to come down to their level when it is that roller coaster. Right. And I love what you're saying. That is such a practical tool of when you feel disappointed, when you feel discouraged to go oh. and serve somebody else. I remember when Judah and I first got married and I moved from Portland to Seattle and I was so lonely. I left my family. I left my friends. I did not, I did not like life. And every Saturday back then he was, Judah was a janitor working at the church. And so he would go work this long shift. I didn't have a car because we shared a car. And I was so lonely and would literally start feeling sorry for myself. That ended up being the day I realized this, and I don't know how I figured it out, that if I called the group of high school girls that I was working with at that time and called them and encouraged them, I stopped being lonely, I stopped feeling Mm -hmm. sorry for myself, and all of those emotions changed. And so I could lead my emotions instead of my emotions telling me I made a wrong decision, my life is horrible, why did I marry this guy? And I love what you said that emotions are a roller coaster. And if we let them lead our life, then we'll just be on a roller coaster. But I have a question. Are there times when we ever are supposed to let our emotions lead? Chelsea, that is a fantastic, great question. I do think that our emotions can be a great thing, that they can be positive, but don't let them be something that neutralizes you being able to cut through those crazy moments when you're, those emotions are drastically high or drastically low. And one example of that just made me think about it was just a, a few months ago. Judy, you know this. I talked to a bunch of pastors. I thought, man, this Jaguar thing is going to be awesome and a sign with the, the Jags. And I'm like, okay, well, then you get cut. And I remember going home and, and seeing Demi, and she's so awesome and supportive in the middle of it and the three dogs, um, you know, and I'm so fortunate. God's blessed me in so many ways. This amazing, you know, family that I get to go home to. And yet I'm still so irritated and, and, and just like, man, it's just, it should have worked differently and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, God, I thought you were leading me into this, right? And all of these things. Well, what happened right at that time was all of this stuff happened to start going down in Afghanistan right then, mm-hmm. literally the same day. Wow. And, um, and so the team starts getting a few calls, more calls, more calls. Next thing I know, I'm on calls for, you know, several hours and we're talking, talking with some of our partners, nonprofits, other different groups. Okay, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. Here we go. And then next thing I know, I'm on a plane with some of our partners heading to the Middle East. And next thing we know, we're surrounded by, you know, 30,000 um, evacuees. And, and we're in different countries helping, you know, refugees and evacuees. And as on one of those flights to one of those countries, where I knew, I was just thinking about it in that time in the air of just being able to pray and talk to God about it. And I knew if I wouldn't have said yes to the Jaguars, no chance that I would have been on those flights in those places and ready with our amazing team to help in different uh, evacuations and help in those areas because I know and you do too that I would have planned stuff and I would have been and I would have been busy and I would have been and I, there's no way I could have been there so the way that I was there was because God set me up 
in a place that I thought I was going and then to get cut. And it was the first time that, that probably in a while, and not just saying it, but meaning it, that I could tell God, thank you for letting me get cut because it put me here. And it, when you're seeing so many people get thrown away and hurt and bloodied and a lot of things that I, I can't, you know, and you're like, dang, you know, and I, and I was so mad because I thought that I was supposed to be playing a game it was the first time in a, in a little bit that I could say, God, thank you. I know I'm here for a reason. This is not, this is why you have me here. This is why I'm designed to do this. And, you know, that's hard to, to always do that, to be honest yeah, with him. But you know what, then in the midst of that suck and the setback and the, the hurt of emotions, God's like, dude, you know, I got you. You thought that it was disappointing again and that I didn't, that I won't, that I shouldn't, that, you know, all these disappointments and, and you, I got you right where you're supposed to be. And it's just little times like that where it can be just so encouraging in the midst of it. And I wish people could, I, I wish people could see the emotion on your face, Tim. This is yeah. one of the things that I think has connected us for a long, long time now because be careful what you wish for. And, you know, we're talking about having a mission, having a priority. And I can say on behalf of the Tebos, Tim and Demi, you have decided to make people the priority. Uh, people over your professional career, people over your personal preferences, people over your own private priorities. You have made people the priority. And as a result, God has answered your prayer. And in a weird sort of way, it seems like even being cut by the Jags was an answer to your own prayer because you have prayed and I've heard you pray and I've watched you live out a prayer that says, God, yep. I want yep. to be about people and wherever I can help people the most, put me there. And uh, in this case, it just seems, you know, from our finite perspective, that mm -hmm. God felt like you could be most effective in helping people um, outside yeah. of the Jaguar organization. And that's, um, it's incredible to see it all over your face. And I thank you because it has been a sacrifice at times. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, this isn't really theology, but it's just something cool my wife always says is she'll say sometimes stuff like that is God winks at you, you know, just encouraging little moments. And man, to me, that was that was an encouraging little moment. That was a God wink moment of man. Okay, you know what? This is exactly what what I'm supposed to do. And it, it's just when when you know that you're living in your mission of what you believe you're mm. called to do, the, the highs and the lows. Yes, they're there, but they're they're not near as impactful. So the world is feeling really heavy right now for so many people, for really a lot of reasons. What would you say to people who feel overwhelmed by the state of the world around them and not really sure what they can do about it? You know, I'm sure there's so many people that are listening that are saying in the midst of this and it feels daunting, but then we're remembered what John 16, 33 is all about. For in me, you have peace. In the world, you will have trials and tribulations, right. but take heart, I've overcome the world. And we have to remember mm -hmm. that. And man, even on this, you're like, man, this is daunting. It's overwhelming. It's hard. But then you see 
we're reminded of the cross, but then we're reminded what the cross does for people and what salvation looks like and the change in people and the impact. And so it is daunting, like you brought up, how do you wake up and how do you have passion and how do you wake up and have energy and to choose it? Well, because we get to know that peace doesn't come in a situation. It comes in a person and that person's name is Jesus. And you know what? We can't shy away from thinking that we are going to avoid every obstacles and trials and tribulation and every hardship and, and every form of adversity. No, it's either on us, it's coming, or we just finished it, right? And it's going to be around us our entire life. You know, we're not promised, you know, to avoid hardship. We're promised more hardship. And even in that hardship, we know that we can have peace because it comes in the person and that person overcame the world. And why we can take heart is because what he did on the cross, it counted for us and it counted for humanity and that he overcame the world. But what I love about the verse is take heart is not something that is going to be done to us. It is going to be done by us. What he did was overcome the world. What we have to do is look at the cross and take heart. In those moments when we feel like we can't get up, take heart. In those moments when we feel down, take heart. In those moments when we feel like we're not enough, take heart. And it literally means to choose courage, right? And we can choose courage because he chose us when he was on the cross, right? That's our motivation. That's our inspiration. That's why we can get up. That's why we can continue to go. That's why we can love those people that the world's forgotten. It's because when he was on the cross, he loved them too. And they were part of his mission on the cross as well. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that about your message of mission possible. I think so often as Americans, when we think about mission, we tend to think career, we tend to think job, we tend to think success. But what I hear coming out of your heart when we think mission is opening up our eyes to the pain of the world and saying, I can do something about it. Am I hearing you correctly? And How does somebody open up their eyes to the pain of the world? I think our natural human response is actually to close our eyes to the pain of the world. Oh, Chelsea, I think you you absolutely nailed it. I do think it's our first response is to close our eyes. And I think one one of my little bit of micro callings is is maybe to help help encourage people to take off blinders, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. other people took them off of me. It's an excuse and it's a good excuse to say that you don't know. I want to take that excuse away from people. The excuse that, oh, I didn't know this was happening. Not anymore. We told you. Now you have a choice. You can choose to walk away or you can choose to do something. And it's our responsibility. And that's one of the encouraging things, I guess, convicting and challenging too, that we can make an impact in it. And and I want to get back to what you just said at the beginning of that it's not necessarily career I think I would want to take it one step farther that, yes, it's not a career. It's with every breath you have, your mission. Mm. If you have breath, you have purpose. And I want those two to be synonymous. Mm. When I wake up on this day, my purpose is on this day. It's not a job. It's not an occupation. It's not, That's not the case, right? God can use your job and your occupation and whatever your nine to five is. But man, transcend your freaking journey. Do more than that. How can you affect and encourage and love and the people around you in every area of your life? And I can't tell you how many times I have missed that mark in my life over and over and over again. And I want to encourage the listeners, don't miss that mark as many times as I have, right? The mission is everywhere you go. It's it's everywhere you do. You have the chance to transcend your journey. And mission is not about just 
you know, on a mission trip. Mission could mean at the corner of your street or at the corner of your world, right? But it's how God can use you in any and every moment of your life. And I believe he can use you as long as you have breath. Wow. I think, you know, as as we're coming to a close of this episode, I'm hoping that at the very least, Tim, today, that people have been provoked, provoked to recognize that every day there's an opportunity to serve the most valuable cause on earth, and that is people, Mm -hmm. to serve people. And of course, for us three, we are persuaded into the ways of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the savior and superhero of the world. We believe he beat death to prove that everything he said was not a mere prophet. He was not a mere man. He is God in the flesh, and he is our hero. He's the love of our life, and so we are committed. But I want to say to anyone listening, if you are still in consideration of where Jesus lands in human history, let me urge you, the teachings of Jesus says something very simple. You'll be far happier giving than you ever will be receiving. And the path to fulfillment and contentment is joy is not lined with money, stuff, things, and renown. It's lined with people that you have the honor and the privilege of serving, seeing, and caring for. And if nothing else, let the record show that Tim and Demi Tebow will always represent that message. I really believe this, Tim. You and Demi have such a unique role to play in the human race, and I believe that you were, by God, sent to earth for this time to be lightning rods, to be representations, to say, listen, we've done it all. I mean, you're the most successful college football player in history, which is the biggest sport in the United States of America. Your wife was voted Miss Universe, and yet both of you will say, at the end of the day, whether you are said to be the most beautiful woman in the world or the most talented athlete in the United States of America, what really matters is people. And I just want to, I'm trying to synthesize that because you really are a beacon. And I know that you like to see yourself as very average. And I know we are just average humans, but I could never thank you enough, Tim Tebow. The impact you've had on my life, my wife's life, and God help me to not cry, the life of my 17-year-old, my 15-year-old, and my 13-year-old. And I thank you for that because You know, in all of the parenting endeavors and all the career endeavors, we keep thinking to ourselves when we don't think it through that what we need is more success, a nice home, a nice 401k and a retirement. And here come the Tebos again to remind everybody that it's not what it's about. It is about getting uncomfortable and serving your neighbor and your fellow man. And uh, we do it because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I can't thank you enough, man. Well, thank you, brother. We we love you guys so much. We love the impact that you have had on so many people's life, but it started with the impact that y'all have had on my life and Demi's life. And I still remember the first time my dad got to hear you preach. <laughs> you were so nervous. His Mr. Tebow. Nervous. He and never gets he, nervous. He never gets nervous. And my dad had his his laptop out with the English, and he had his laptop out with the Greek. And he was looking up everything you said, and he loved it so much. And I tell you, Judah, still to this day, I can't tell you how many people, when I just felt like I didn't have the words, that I brought them to a different sermon that you shared, that I pulled up Barabbas, that I pulled up Good Samaritan, that I pulled up different ones. 
and, and especially even sometimes people that are closest to me because sometimes it's harder to find the words to people that are closer to you and I feel like God is using you in so many ways and I can't wait to see what he does in the future with you and y'all's family and you know who knows how he's going to use the next generation but I'm so grateful for the role that that God has chosen for you guys to play and I I, I would just want to encourage the listeners that as we wrap up that one of the reasons that Judah and Chelsea have been so impactful is they have never let like get in the way of their love and I feel like we do that all the time. Guys, when we really want to love people, we better not think and confuse it with like, okay? Not what do we have in common with? What do we like? Do we like their favorite movie? Do they like our favorite movie? Are they the same background, race, religion, color? Are they all the same? Do we have all these things in like? Okay, love and like, we put them in the same category. They're not. Whoa. They're not in the same category. Sometimes they can overlap to be a few things, but most of the time, that is not God's form of agape love we talked about earlier, right? And yeah. the amazing thing about what we get to do is we get to go choose the best interests of other people and act on their behalf. Even when we don't like them, we still get to choose to love them. Come so guys, I, I really think when we want to live out our mission possible life, don't let light get in the way with it. It's not about who we like. It's about who we're going to choose to love. And that better be all of humanity. Because that's who Jesus loved, and that's who we are called to love like, is the same way he loved. Tim, one of the things we love to do for our listeners is to pray over everybody on In Good Faith. Would you mind closing us in prayer and just praying however you feel led over listeners? Oh, absolutely. Dear Jesus, uh, we love you. We thank you that you first loved us before we ever loved you. We thank you that you still love us, even though so many times we are still traitors and traitors to your love, traitors to what you've done for us, and you still love us, that you still will use us, that you have used us, that you will use us, that we're not disqualified because of the way we messed up, because your blood covers it. We're thankful that what you did on the cross counted for us. We thank you, and it's the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let us be a part of bringing it to all the people. Let us be a part of showing it to all the people. Let us be a part of loving all the people. Not because we can do what you did, but because for some reason you want to use us. You want us to be co-laborers with you. Let us be a part of impacting the world. We pray that because we want to love who you love, because we want to impact those that you died for, because we want to show them what the cross is was and will always be about, about humanity. We ask that you would take the stuff in our lives, that you would take the little successes in our lives and that you would transform that through us just giving it back to you and turn that success into true significance. That we would never get weighed down by thinking it's about more stuff, praise, promotion, platform. We can't take any of that with us, but it's about people. We ask that we don't get caught up in trying to build really big houses here because Mm -hmm. we're not a citizen of this earth. We're citizens of heaven. Yes, God. Let us have eyes on eternity for things that are going to last forever. Let us store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Let us fill heaven with people. When we go see people today, when we go talk to people today, let us have a heart for them like you do. Let us have eyes for them like you do. 
Let us have a love for him like you do. We know we won't fully be there, but let us get closer to it. Let us see people the way you do with the love that you have. We're so grateful that you see us with love, with compassion. We love you so much because you first loved us and that you always will love us. We love you. Let us live out this day and every day you give us with the mission you have sent us here for and you have equipped us for. We love you. Let our lives count. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, Scooter Braun, Scott Manson, James Shin, and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Grace Delia, Caitlin Plummer, and Eve Bishop of OBB Sound, and Kyle Vanilla of SB Projects. Produced by Lauren LaGrasso and Serena Regan of Cadence 13. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Adam Macias. Original composition by Colin Gilliard. Production support from Kristen Crosby and Dylan Martyr. OBB Sound is an OBB media company. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company.